sense with no place to go. So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. It's We're December. Back, Sorry, we had to take a little week off. We had a lot of crazy shit happen, and that was life. Just you know, what happened? What, what was last week? Oh, we just couldn't do it. It was Thanksgiving, and just yeah, just you know what? So what? Who cares? So we what? Who care. cares? Sorry, we needed a little break. We gave you twenty episodes, and we were just like. <sighs> Okay, let's just like breathe. Yeah, because I literally, we record and we edit the same week, so. Yeah, we're very like We day were to ahead day. for a little bit. Yep. But you know what? It's kind of fun to do it the week of. Yeah, it is. Because then it's like really fresh. But we're back. We're back. We, we are missed back. you. We really missed you guys a lot. Hoping you do guys missed us. Do we have any us. news to update anybody on? Do you want me to issue a formal, formal apology now? No, no, well, you can do that, but I was going to, your big news. I have a lot of big news. What, well, everyone knew about the car crash. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you for... I forgot all about that. I forgot that we haven't... Okay, so, yep, I got in a car crash. You remember that? Yep, totaled the car. Yep, it was my grandmother. Sorry, what? My bad. So, what? Who cares? Anyways, it came back to... You guys to are really here for the journey. The journey. This, and we've come to a conclusion. Yep. This has been the craziest 2020 year ever. So, I totaled the car really sad, and I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to figure out how to do this myself. So I called the bank and I said, listen, this is what I do. This is what I do. <laughs> I can't believe I'm such a, I'm such an adult now. And I got the car of my dreams. It's just adorable. The cutest white Jeep, Jeep Cherokee 2019. She's cute. She's fab. Going from a fucking shit box to a mom car. Now to my own little a cutie pie. And what is her name? Her name is Jeepy Girl. <laughs> and that's girl. G-W-I-R-L. Girl. <laughs> GP girl I text Ryan the other day I go I think I'm gonna take GP girl for a little beach cruise and we went for a little beach cruise a little walk at Oneon Point Ugh. I th oh speaking of Oneon Point I'm going on my walk right Kay and mm -hmm. I go you know it's wicked cold the ocean was like so crazy and I go I think I'm gonna find something dead today I go I'm gonna find sorry my Tetris no. is blowing me up yeah me too me too I said you know what I think I'm gonna find something dead today I'm walking around, I'm looking around, and I, I look down on the ground, and I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's a, like a huge, huge dead seagull without a head. Something like chomped the fucking head off of it. So that was my dead thing that I found. And no dead bodies. Woo! Ooh, yeah, that's a plus. Although Love that for me. fun, but whatever. I know. I, I kind of am like ready to be an, a part of an investigation and like on the good side. I've always wanted to do jury duty. It's oh my on god, my me too. List and never been done, but I've seen people go like twice. I'm like, me where, where am I too. in this line? Like, I've I always wanna wanted be, to go. I want to do jury duty. So I got a new car and I love it, and it's great and it's fabulous. So um, I also want to do another little thing right at the top of the hour. Go ahead. I'm. It is the top of the hour. It's 5 p.m. on Monday. Top guys. of the hour, 5 p.m. on 5 p.m. on a Monday. Uh, I would just like to apologize to the person of my past that had sent me a text saying that they listened to the podcast and specifically <laughs> listened to a story that I talked about and I got called out and <laughs> this person, this individual texted me and said, so-and-so told me to listen to the podcast. And I was like, that's embarrassing. Okay. And then they go, so I decided to pick this specific one. And it just so happens that I remember the exact thing you were talking about. Well, I'm just going to say it now what it was. 
it was the person I sat side by side next to when I ate my chicken Alfredo. <laughs> so I'm really sorry that I put you on the spot. There was a little bit of a debate there about whether it was special, requested or not, but they definitely <laughs> saved it for me and this individual. And a special request, though, is just like, it but, kills but me. I swear to God, it doesn't even matter. The thing was reserved. It doesn't matter who reserved it. The thing was reserved. And they were like, no, I didn't do that. Sat, sat by side. Anyways, I'd like to say I'm really sorry. And to those people that secretly listen and they're scared to tell me and they hear stories about themselves, um, if you want to square up some time, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm sweating a little bit because that okay. was... We got I, candles going. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm laughing so hard my cheeks hurt. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. But I'm uh, not sorry for being mad about the same side. I'm not sorry. And I'm not sorry I said it on the podcast. <laughs> and I never will be. <laughs> not okay, don't okay I'm sorry. Side of the table, guys. Don't do that. Um, <sighs> well, our episode this week is UFOs. Holy shit. It, the time has come. Before we, we got to do our, our fucked up facts and pick your poison, but I just thought yep. we'd do our intro of what it was. UFOs. I'm, I'm thinking like we definitely focus on some next episodes being like holiday related, obviously, right? Yep, 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 yep. yep. Because now I'm so excited. Kaylee, I gave you that for your birthday, Martian soda. Should I drink it right now? Why don't you pop it open for the UFO episode? So, guys, I got this at a little candy store. Wait, let's take a little picture of it. Up at the Tilton Outlet, it's a little candy store. Um, so it's called Martian Soda, and it's kumquat flavor. Kumquat. I'll come uh, in your you quat. You know what? We'll do a poll. I'll say, what do you think? It tastes good or bad? Dude, what does kumquat oh. taste like? I don't know. It doesn't really have a smell. Mmm. <sighs> Listen to the bubble. Tastes like cum. Ooh, what's it taste like? Oh, fucking Archie. I don't what know. What does it taste like? It tastes like kumquat, I guess. All right, I'm going to take a little sip. I, yeah. It could be good. I think once my crystal light's gone, I'm going to pour it over the ice. It might be. Okay, okay. I was just going to say. I was just, you know, You're I just always say over it's ice. ice. It's over ice. ice. It's always good over ice. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's shit flavored. If it's over ice, it's I the best. I think ba- it's oh. over ice, it'll be fine. But I got some crystal light to finish up. I had, a, I had a little bit of feedback about my, uh, when we used to do the reviews, the, the Lover Boy, my friend Kirkland. Hi, Kirkland. Love you. He said, he said, Oh, over ice. Oh my! I said it's the it's the only true fact of life. It's the only true fact of life, and it's the only fact I'm gonna stand by for the rest of my life. Over ice. All right, are we ready for fucked up facts? I think we're ready. Oh, mine's a little good this week. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? You know what, Kay? Who goes first normally? I don't know. I just think we just say who's ever is really feeling it. All right, I'll go first. I think we literally are so random. It's just like, which I kind of like because sometimes I don't want to go first. Mm-hmm. There's no order. So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Every week, it's a new week. All right. I'm ready for a new year, though. I will say that I'm ready for a new year of 2021, please. All right. This is my fucked up fact of the week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Personally, one of my favorites mm-hmm. of all time. Okay. Okay. Like every single week. Every week. It's like every time you talk about your fucked up fact, you're like, oh, one of my favorites about <laughs> this. And then you like pick the genre of it. It's like The Bachelor. It's like the most dramatic season ever. It's like, no, Sage is, <laughs> this is the best one ever. This is the best one yet. Okay. Um, a chicken once survived for 18 months without a head. And this is the explanation. 
This tale gives the phrase running around like a chicken with its head cut off a whole new meaning. In 1945, a chicken farmer beheaded one of his chickens and the chicken didn't die. It continued walking around the farmyard, kicking and displaying other ordinary foul behavior. Foul, F-O-W-L, like Miss Foul, like, Jimmy! You know what I mean? Okay, oh yeah. Nope, it wasn't a zombie chicken. When a chicken loses its head, though its brain is gone, its spinal cord still holds residual auction and its neurons may even continue to fire. In the case of Mike, the headless chicken, as he would eventually be known as, this process just lasted unnaturally long. So 18 months. The farmer, Lloyd Olson, soon embraced his resilient rooster. I love that bringing him to nearby farms and towns and making bets with people who scoffed when he told them he had a live headless chicken. Mike, the chicken, quickly became a regional celebrity. Olsen fed him by dropping food into his esophagus with an eyedropper. And it wasn't until 18 months after the beheading that Mike finally met his fate. That's my fucked up fact. What year was that in? 1945. And you know what's funny about that? What it reminds me of is my grandma grew up, you know, where Red Hook is now, and they had a bunch of cats, and somebody, the p- big plower, the big combine, hit one of the cats, and the cat lost its leg. So my my great-grandfather put a popsicle stick, and it lived for like seven years with a popsicle stick as a leg. Shut up. And that up. was in the 40s. Shut up. Yeah. That's fucked up. That was one of the last stories she told me. I said, can you just tell me it one more time before you go, before you leave us? Can you just tell me the chicken, I mean, the cat with three legs again please and a popsicle stick and it's true those are both fucked up mine's not as fucked up it's just a fun fact i mean some of our facts aren't fucked up it's just fun whatever it's a fact yeah whatever so mine is well actually i have a question for you first okay what toy do you think was first advertised on television Ooh, i think it was a one of those 1952 I'll say it was the year. Okay. So it probably wasn't the big hoop with the stick. Okay. Next. Um, is it an octopus? I'm just kidding. Um, is it? <laughs> okay. A yo-yo. No. Okay. I'm going to give you two a- more guesses and then I'm going to give you a hint. A Jack in the Box? Nope. Oh, a Raggedy Ann doll. No. What? Here's your hint. Okay. What? Was the chicken missing in your story? <gasps> a head. Okay. It was a talking head. Mm-mm. Oh. A shrunken head. Nope. Oh. A toy. A toy. A uh, he- head. Headband. Nope. Head. A toy. Head. <sighs> Headlamp. Nope. It doesn't have to have be head as the first word. Oh. Hammerhead shark. What? What is it? No, no, no. Don't tell me. <laughs> I uh, hate that I, we, I make our listeners sit through this. I'm so bad at this. But for me, it's so fun. And I'm wondering, I always such wonder a fun game like, to play. how long it takes everyone else to get it. Yeah, definitely. Head. A toy. Football head. With the word head, not Arnold. Famous toy. Mr. Potato Head. Yes. Oh, my God. Mr. Potato Head. Oh what makes this God. fact fucked up is how long it takes you to get to the answer. <laughs> Him head shark toy. <laughs> Shrunken head. All right, it's picky poison time. Pick, 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 
Pick your poison time. Okay, ready? Yeah, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I really missed. I really missed us, but I think we have a good vibe right now. Yeah, we really are. We really it we're feeling it. We're feeling. What a big. It's not a big deal. Okay. It's like. Okay, ready? <laughs> Would you rather remove one of your eyeballs with a spoon or? Okay. I feel like this could make it kind of hard because I don't know. Okay. Or have undeniably ugly offspring. Completely different, but both very hard. Do you want ugly children or do you want to rip your spoon out with your eye? I want ugly children. I want ugly children. I don't care if they're ugly. I'm just going to deal with it. Okay. They're not ugly to me, I don't think. They're definitely ugly to the world, but they're not ugly you to me. You don't have any children yet. Uh, but the... It, I, I, they might, well, I, well, the well, IED is coming out Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday, actually, two o'clock tomorrow, if you're listening today. Um, I think, <laughs> you know what I like to call it? You know what, what I call my IUD? What? My National Guard base. Oh, that's great. <laughs> when I used to take my birth control in college, and I know if Kelly's listening, my roommate, I used to have my baby alarm, like oh. be a baby screaming. I don't oh. know if I said that before on here. And people would be like, what is that? I'm like, it's a baby. Ugh, it's a baby. baby. It's to remind me something to I have don't babies. want to hear. No. So I have to hear it every night at nine o'clock. <laughs> I, anyways, yeah, IUD's coming out. Uh, there will be no ugly offspring. I, but you know what the thing is? Is I look at myself and I go, "You might have ugly kids. You don't know, but you might." But you know what? I'm not the prettiest gal I've ever seen. I'm not. Honey, you're beautiful. But I'm definitely so not the cute. ugliest. But I'm, you know, they I know say what ugly people what give off good offspring. So I might be, okay. in the, I might be in the same. We're like, a, we're like average. Yeah, we're average, and I'm okay with that. I think I'm slightly above. We're slightly above. Okay, our personalities give. I was us gonna like, say below, but definitely. I don't, if people hate us, whatever. Fuck you. But yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're already done <laughs> we listening, love ourselves. it's fine. Bye. <laughs> but we're keeping this for our own. <laughs> you know what? People are always entertained when they're around us. That's all we're going to say. I know. We, we, they we they might get annoyed more. after about two hours with us. But. We did go to TJ Maxx today, and I did have to separate myself from you and the twins because you guys were like, and I was like, I can get to this level, but not in public. <laughs> you guys were like, what the fuck puzzle do I get? Do I want to get this game? Do I want to get the kazoo? Do I want to get this fucking chocolate? No, you're the one who wanted to get the kazoo. Oh, that was me. Sorry. <laughs> I actually almost bought a kazoo for today's episode, and I'm a little mad that I did it. Oh, get over it. Instead, I bought chocolate oranges. Okay, so apparently we're having ugly offspring. That's the end of the story. <sighs> oh, it's out in the universe now. This is no turning back. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, are we ready for our stories? Oh, God, yes. Um, Got some weird shit for you guys. Some weird shit. I've been waiting to tell you guys all this goody, goody, goody UFO bullshit. Wait, do we tell about our first encounter? Well, why we're doing the episode? Okay, yes. That's what we're that's do we what we're admit, here for. Well, do we admit our passion is to drive around the trailer farm? I think we should. Okay, so we, I, I mean, I've been always doing this since I was a kid. My great-grandmother used to do it to make kids fall asleep in their station wagon. Her kid, not at random kids, her kids. <laughs> to go through the Milton trailer parks. And then I started going through the Milton trailer park. And it's been a family tradition. And now I take Kaylee through the trailer park. And now she loves the trailer park just as much as me. Any trailer park. You don't, it doesn't matter which one. You just drive around and you just admire it. They always it. got the best Christmas decorations. They really do. They do. And honestly, the nicest people. I act like I live there. I wave. I'm friendly. It's... 
just a break from the rest of the world. They got lots of TikTok rooms if you look through the lots windows. Of TikTok it's rooms. fun to see like the LED lights. Yep. Or like, okay, TikTok room. Yep. So we were actually out on Tuna Terrace one night yep. down Squid in Squid Street, yep. Octopus Avenue. Yep. And we look up and we're like, I'm go. I, was it me that saw it first? Yeah, it was. I was in the back. Because I'm driving the car that I ended up crashing. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't crash it on Tuna Terrace. Thank God for that. But anyways, um, I look up and I go, what the fuck is that? And what it was, it, it looked like a perfectly straight string of Christmas yeah. lights. It was high, weird in the, sky. in the sky. You could tell that it was a big craft. And I don't believe in this shit. Three well, of us I saw mean, it. Not that I don't believe in it. I just... If I, it's the same thing with ghosts. Like I believe everyone has their own stories and why it happens. I don't know, but not until once it happens it, once to it me. Once it happens to you, you and like believe. the video was like me in the background, be like, no, it's this, no, it's this. like complete yep. disbelief. But yep. when we came around, I can't. Go it ahead. was it was so weird. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It was shimmery, and you could tell it was fucking high in the sky. Yeah, it, yeah. It wasn't like. The at reflection first I it of a was like, wire. Yeah, that's what I thought it was at first. But it was just a legitimate, like you could see a glow of it. Uh-huh. Like it was in the sky and it was about 10 straight across lights. Like yeah, imagine like weird. white Christmas lights straight across. And then we drove around, did a loop. Yeah, and right where it was, it was like an empty lot. So yeah. it was open. Yep. There was no, it was like a, for someone to build our. Don't worry, we got it on there. video. We got it yeah, on video. Yeah, we have a video. So we come around the corner and at first I was like, oh, I know what it is because yeah. I saw yep. this flagpole and it was like, I was like, oh, it's probably just a reflection from the light spotlight hitting the flagpole. Well, we came around the well, corner. It made the and, most sense. That made yeah, the most it, sense. It made, but when we came around the corner, we kept driving and the, I saw the flagpole go back in the distance. And when we got back up, there was no lights there. It was gone. We did the whole loop and the thing was the was sky gone. was black. It was the good. It was, was I don't understand it. Truly don't. So the one thing that I did look up that night was, okay, so we're in New Hampshire Elon Musk launched his, I don't know, I don't remember what, Starlink? It was called Starlink, his satellite. He launched it like that weekend, but down south somewhere. And so it kind of doesn't make that much sense that it couldn't be that. But it was so weird. We got it on video. We took a video. Actually, I posted it on a UFO page. I wonder if anybody has responded. Um, And update, nobody has responded at all. <laughs> so I did that about an hour ago, so I'm not really sure why that's happening. But this triggered us to do a UFO, and we wanted to because app. we love um, Betty and Barney Hill. They were from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, yep. and then they uh, live next to our great grandparents. Yep, yep. And look then, them up. We'll tell you about them anyways, but you can look them up anyways. Um, and then the Exeter Exeter is like a UFO hotspot, and there's some strange yep. occurrences that happen there. And they have a UFO festival, which I did go to a few years and ago. And I didn't because I don't know why I would think I was busy. I don't know why you didn't either. But anyways, fine. let's get on to the stories. Let's yeah, just get into it. Let's fucking get so right into it. So here's the first one. We have a few people sent in stories to us too. The first three yeah. are like that. Okay, so I fully believe in aliens. One night, probably just past midnight, or in the very early morning hours years ago, when I was living at home in Vermont, I was sleeping with my back to my bedroom door. So when I opened my eyes, I was facing just a wall. I had this sense that someone or something else was in my room. So I woke up and out of my peripherals, I saw two skinny, slender men looking beings standing over me next to my bed. Their faces were pale white and they were just kind of faceless. And the rest of their bodies were black like they were wearing skin tight one piece suits. (gasps) They pointed at me and said, we know you've been watching us. And then just stood there for a while silently while I laid in my bed in complete terror. 
I honestly am not sure if this was just a night terror, but it has been years and I still vividly remember this. And they are right. I am super into alien documentaries and stuff. So I guess I have been watching them. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. Fucking spooky. Are right, you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. I've been really excited to read this one. This is why I've been pushing for the UFO stories because I got this sent to me from a friend of mine. Last summer, when the whole Area 51 raid was about to happen, maybe like two days before, we popped a fire where we ended up spiking out overnight. A little background. Um, She is a female firefighter out west um, for wildfires. So she's a badass bitch. And I love her. So I think popped a fire means like... I don't know what it means. I'm not going to guess either. Maybe like found it or came oh, maybe across, just like started called, a fire. Maybe tried it just to just leg. I don't know. So we typically sleep under the stars. And this night was a particularly clear night. It was almost midnight by the time we were able to lay down to sleep. And looking up at the stars trying to fall asleep, I could see two white lights dancing around each other in the sky. Over f- Area 51. Like what the fuck? They were bigger and brighter than any star I've ever seen and moving. But not like a plane or a helicopter. They were doing figure eights and circles, and this went on for a solid 20 minutes. We were two hours away from any sort of buildings or structures that could be shining lights in the sky. There were six of us on this fire. I woke up in the morning, and as we were making coffee, I casually said, Um, did anyone else see anything in the sky that looked kind of off by chance? Everyone got super awkward and looked at each other, and they all admitted to seeing the same thing. Okay. Super weird. We decided it was aliens. Only logical explanation we could come up with. I still believe it to this day. Hope that helps with your podcast. Interesting. Very interesting. How cool is it to be that close to Area 51? That's really really crazy, honestly. Okay, next story. This happened, I believe, in the late 1980s. My grandparents lived in the house right next to my parents. One morning, my grandfather woke up at like 2.30, 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom and get a glass of water. And he looked out the dining room windows that faced the woods and the backyard, and there was what looked like a freight train headlight coming over the top of the tree line. It had blinking blue and orange lights around it. He watched for two minutes while it slowly got closer and closer, then it stopped and backed away further and further. While it was backing away, he called Pease Air Force Base and told them he thinks he just saw something unusual. He asked if they had anything on their radar in that area. They said they didn't, and by the time he hung up the phone, it was gone. Spooky. And this is good because Pease Air Force Base is going to play a role in our... Yep. So I'm going to cover the lovely Betty and Barney couple... Yes. Abducted in our home state of New Hampshire and lived next to Kaylee and I's great-grandparents, Grammy McKenzie. Yeah, and then my uh, great-grandfather on my mom's side, Barney, was his mailman. That's right. He was the mailman. He probably was our like uh, the whole family's freaking mailman. Yeah, they all lived over there. Um, And my Uncle Jay actually went into her house at one point like with one of our aunts. I think probably like Auntie Barbara, Auntie mm-hmm. Sister or something. Auntie Sis. And he said he was so scared of Junior. And so here is the story, and you will find out who Junior is. All right. So this story is coming from history.com. So it is just a fabulous little write-up about Betty and Barney Hill. And here we go. Also, my dad used to tell me the story before bed all the time. So I think that's why I'm all fucked up. Is it chasing us? 
That thought coursed through Betty and Barney's Hills minds as they drove down the empty, winding country road in New Hampshire's White Mountains. It was a September night in 1961. They hadn't seen a car for miles, and a strange light in the sky seemed to follow them. When they finally got home to Portsmouth at dawn, they were far from relieved. They felt dirty. Their watches stopped working. Barney's shoes were strangely scuffed and Betty's dress was ripped. There were two hours of that drive that neither one of them could remember. What had happened? With the help of a psychiatrist, the quiet couple eventually revealed a startling story. Gray beings with large eyes had walked them into a metallic disc as wide, Betty said, as her house was long. Once inside, the beings examined the couple and erased their memories. Their experience would kick off an Air Force inquiry, part of the secretive initiative Project Blue Book, that investigated UFO sightings across the country. The incident would also become the first ever widely publicized alien abduction account and shape how stories like it were told and understood from then on. Debate continues as to whether the husband and wife were liars, fantasists, crackpots were simply sleep deprived people who later recovered seriously scrambled memories but like the dress was ripped the dress was ripped that's weird if you're just driving in a car why would your dress be ripped and you don't remember the dress is ripped the hills road trip was spontaneous a well-earned break barney decided the couple needed as explained in the interrupted journey a 1966 book they collaborated on with author john g fuller Barney worked a grueling night shift at the post office. Here's your fucking mailman. Mm -hmm. Driving 60 miles each way. Betty's job handling state child welfare cases was no easier. The little free time this biracial couple had was devoted to their church and activities related to the civil rights movement. After 16 months of marriage, Betty and Barney saw this trip through Montreal and Niagara Falls as their delayed honeymoon. They left so impulsively that they had no time to go to the bank before it closed for the weekend. They got in their car with less than $70 in their pocket. Yes, and uh, Betty was white and Barney was black. And so during that time, obviously, in the 60s, that's, you know, people are kind of getting looked at. And we're, we're from up north, so I think it was a little bit different than it was down south, but still, like, an issue. Back then. It's still an issue now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. On the last night of their three-day trip, the tired couple sipped coffee in a Vermont diner to recharge before driving back. Barney figured if they pushed through, they could beat the wind and rains from an approaching hurricane. They left the diner around 10 p.m., estimating that they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. at the latest. As they drove, a strange light in the sky gave another reason for them to hurry. At first, it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably just went off course. The light seemed to move with the car as Barney steered down the curving mountain road. The light zigged and zagged, ducking past the moon and behind trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to move towards them in a game of cat and mouse. It had to be an illusion, they thought. Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light, too, was moving. So creepy. Curiosity overcame them. The couple pulled over at road stops and picnic turnouts to get a closer look. Through binoculars, Betty saw that the white light was really an object spinning in the air. Which makes me really think about what we saw that night. I know, I know. Because it looked like it was shimmering. It looked Mm -hmm. like it was moving, but it was straight across. 
Barney, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous, Betty told her husband. He knew she was right. Barney had an IQ of 140, noted Fuller in his book. Barney was also a pragmatic man who wouldn't give flying saucers a second thought. The night was too quiet for a helicopter, a commercial plane, or even a military jet with a hotshot pilot. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming concerned. What was this light and why was it toying with them? The object hovered above the treetops, approximately 100 feet above them. Barney abruptly stopped the car, keeping the engine running. He shoved a handgun he'd hidden beneath the seat into his pocket and rushed into the dark field, leaving Betty in the car. No. No. What he saw was as big as a jet, but as round and flat as a pancake. A fucking IHOP. <laughs> My God, what is this thing, he recalled, thinking, this cannot be real. No fucking way. Behind rows of windows, gray, uniformed beings seemed to look right at him. Just like what she saw. Yeah. He tried to lift his hand to his pistol, but somehow couldn't. A voice told him not to put down his binoculars. Not to put them down. Why not? He had a startling thought. We're about to be captured. Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car and barreled down the road as Betty tracked the craft, craning her head outside the car window. Without an explanation, loud, rhythmic beeps sounded from the car's trunk. The couple felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. Okay. They came to around two hours later and 35 miles down the road. Back home in Portsmouth, they tried to make sense of that night. Barney felt compelled to examine his body's lower half. Both seemed aware of a puzzling presence. In the weeks and months after, Betty, an avid reader, checked out books from the library, discovering the civilian UFO group National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, also known as NICAP or NICAP. I kneecap, don't know. fucking kneecaps are the fucking uh, standardized testing in the schools. They used to do the knee was and the kneecaps, the New England ones. She also reported the sighting to the Air Force, worried about radiation. In coming years, with Betty suffering from disturbing dreams and Barney developing an ulcer and anxiety, the couple sought mental help. The two met with Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialized in hypnosis, a mainstream technique at the time. Through months of weekly sessions, Simon helped the couple piece together what they think had happened. A vessel had landed on the hill's car, putting them to sleep. Afterwards, gray beings walked them up a long ramp and into the spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated, taking turns in an examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling. Ooh. Ooh. You know, I just picture yeah. that, you know? It's the big, I one big light. painted the picture in my head. Each of them were asked to climb up on a metal table. The table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the side. <laughs> He's just a big old boy. Yeah, the big light. By the, the way, legs are dangling. Betty and Barney Flintstone. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about it until like recently. Mm -hmm. During the examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, plucked strands of their hair, took clippings of their nails, and scraped their skin. Ugh. Each sample was placed on a clear material, like a glass slide. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs, and spines. One large needle, around four to six inches long, was inserted into Betty's belly. Her little cubby? Was it her belly button? I always thought it was her belly. I think it was her belly button. This pregnancy test left her twisting in pain. 
throughout a being Betty and Barney Hill called the leader watched from the side. I'm pretty sure this happened too when like they hadn't like invented or done things where they inserted it into your stomach. Yeah. So so this was like, wait, we they don't the do technique, that yet. Like the technique they yeah, used to that they described the how they inserted hadn't it. Hadn't been invented. Yeah. Or like discovered or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. in the and it's called an amniocentesis. That's what the needle, the big needle in the belly, is called. And that's what's fucked up too. Is like, are they ahead of time? Do they already know all this? It's spooky. I know. Right? I know. After Betty's examination ended, the beings rushed her into the room, excited. Ugh. That like gave me goosebumps just now. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Betty laughed, explaining that Barney had dentures, a fact of human aging the beings struggled to understand. I love that. I know. I love that little fact. Later, alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. The being joked with her, saying, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. What? What? Later, under hypnosis, she drew a star map shown to her on the ship. And that was Zeta Reticuli. I remember all this weird-ass amniocentesis, Zeta Reticuli. In 1965, the Hill story was picked up by a Boston newspaper. After that, everything changed. The quiet couple's story became the subject of a best-selling book and a movie starring James Earl Jones. The upstanding civil servants had become celebrity abductees. What a dream. Yeah, right? What a freaking goal. Girl, you got it. The Hills weren't the first to spot a UFO or even report an abduction, but their story did capture the nation's imagination and was so widely publicized. It has shaped how we talk about alien encounters and abductions to this day. Mm -hmm. Experts have tried to explain why intelligent, otherwise mentally stable people came forward with these experiences. Many psychologists say sleep paralysis and hallucinations played a role. That's like a bold statement, I would say, because if they're such upstanding citizens and they clearly have their shit together, why come up with all this? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. Leading questions during hypnosis, the main way most abductees unlock their stories could also have been a factor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do think the hypnosis thing. Yeah. I've seen people do that and it just, it boggles my mind. Like, I know you just do it for fun, but we did like like our graduation. They had him come to Keene. Yeah. I always thought it was like crazy because there'd be people up there and I'm like. Doing things that you would never think they would do. If you guys haven't seen that be done when events are possible again, go do it or go do it with a group of friends. It's so much fun. I didn't pass the test. I tried to do it and I didn't pass the test. I wouldn't get up on stage because I could not try. But there was people I've seen do it that I was like, they would never do this. Ever. I watched I watched one in high school and it was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. The the one in college, like the one in high school was crazy, but the one in college was like erotic. Oh. Yeah. So they made Ooh. them like when they had to Sassy. end to like when they came out of hypnosis, like the last minute they were like to get out of hypnosis or whatever. When you when you shake my hand, you are going to have the best orgasm of your life. <gasps> and then when I let go of your hand, oh my God. you'll be relieved and you'll remember everything that happened. And there was people up there that I knew I was like they didn't no. orgasm on stage? It was like, yeah, they were like, they like shook yeah, and they were yeah. like, this sounds. It was, dude, it was fun. Yeah. And then one of the guys, every time he said his name, he had to have an erection lasting about like three seconds, I think it was. So Stop he would it. sit there every time he'd say his name. He's like, hey, how's it going, Nick? And he would just be sitting there like holding his crotch and oh have an erection. Bite, and then it would just stop and he'd be like looking around and bear. Dude, it was fucked. But so it was next so time much that fun. it was comes to town, I want to see it. Okay, maybe we should do that for like some sort of like my my 40th. That's sad. Okay, oh, that was a tangent. God. Anyways, back to Betty and Barney Hill. But Her. hypnosis is fuck. I believe in it. So cool. I, 
I don't know what to believe. Some believe the Hill story was well, simply... We're going to find out who believes. I know, right? Was simply a myth in the... I do believe Betty and Barney Hill's hypnosis. Too, okay, too, I'll put it there. Some believe the Hill story was simply a myth in the making with the supernatural meetings, vulnerable protagonists, and otherworldly journeys that are often the hallmarks of legend. Many point to the stress of being an interracial couple living in a predominantly white state in a turbulent era. The year of their hypnosis, 1964, was marked by Cold War tensions and civil rights unrest with numerous urban riots erupting that summer. Sounds very familiar <laughs> but like are they saying that they both were just going crazy because of the troubles and oh, come on i don't yeah i i don't think that's fair to that's, say no. that's not fair to say you have a biracial couple at a time where obviously it was not easy to be a biracial couple says bader look what those aliens were a mixture of black and white i find that very meaningful what? so maybe they okay yeah i don't know but that means they both would both have to be imagining that. I don't think, I just think that's, that means that, I, I don't believe it. Yep. Okay. It's I don't, still it's, a it's deep such a quote it's, though, a little bit. It is a little bit. It's a little deep. But it's not fair to say that, the, to blame race for any of it. To say that that's the reason they got, like, it's fucked. The reason they're lying. I know. That's stupid. Past experience also shapes human perception. Barney, a World War II vet, thought that the leader looked like Hitler and seemed menacing. Betty, meanwhile, who had been excited to see the aliens, I love her. Betty bantered with the affable gray alien who performed her medical examination. That alien even agreed to give her a book to bring to Earth with her. She said, though other crew members would later overrule that decision. Oh, she's so. becoming friendly with him. Yeah, she just wants, she is like, honestly, a social butterfly. And she's just like, she just wants to she's know. She's like, everything. hey, over here. Hey, hey, land over here. <laughs> you guys, come here about our trip to the Niagara. <laughs> she's a, like, so fun. It's a little honeymoon vacay. It's a delayed honeymoon because Bonnie's too busy delivering mail. Me. Let me borrow a book. They're waving him down. Middle of a fucking hurricane. Get over. <laughs> it was a you hurricane. Broken down. Get over. Land on top of our car. Stick a needle in my belly button, why don't you? Let's go. Fucking bro me. Bro me. Beam Beam me the fuck up. Beam me the fuck up. Beam me the fuck up. NICAP scientific advisor cross-examined the couple and found their account credible. Fuck yeah. The Air Force's project, Blue Book, would ultimately dismiss the story, determining the unexplained craft could be explained by natural causes, Mm. hinting that the couple hadn't seen a spacecraft, but only the planet Jupiter. Shut up. Mm, I'm unsure about that. Okay, project Blue Balls. You guys, all you do is just discount, discount, discount. For his part, psychiatrist Simon never felt the Hills had made up their story. He concluded Betty had dreamed about the abduction and Barney had absorbed her story, especially since many of the most vivid details match descriptions of dreams Betty had jotted down after the event. Of course, another explanation is always possible. The abduction actually occurred. The Hills stuck by their story despite years of skeptics and detractors. Like many abductees, the couple never felt false memory or sleep paralysis explained what they experienced. Betty became a known voice in UFO research and claimed she was visited multiple times in decades to follow. And so, Junior. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Junior. Yes, Junior. Hey, Junior, come in here. You get in the den. A, Your father needs you in the den. There is a <laughs> video on YouTube, if you look it up, and it's, like, actually her. 
Oh, talking. Yes, yeah, right. It's her it's talking. The interview. So you guys can look that up. Pretty Very sure you just type in Betty and Barney Hill, and it's like her with Junior. And Junior was a little replica that they made. Yeah, they called him a bust, right? Was it a, was he a bust? I, I don't know, something. He, so when she was under hypnosis, she basically sculpted what she saw, like yeah. the head of uh, one of the aliens, one of the yeah. greys. Yeah. And they named it Junior. We'll put a picture up. Junior. So Junior, when my Uncle Jay went to the house, he saw Junior. Mm-hmm. And another fact, Kaylee, which I don't even think you know this, and it just came to my mind, is that my mom's sister, Mimi, well, she's my aunt, I call her Mimi, she bought Betty's mantle. Like, there was a mantle that was detachable. Yeah, and that's what Junior was on? And I think at one point he was on the mantle. <laughs> so now Mimi has it at her house in Rollinsford. Stop. Isn't that crazy? So, and then the other thing... Um, that I just wanted to mention is the dress back yep. to the dress. Um, that story I just told didn't cover this part, but we did in our podcast project market, our first podcast. Uh, there was a pink substance on the dress that got torn that Betty was wearing and they did analysis on it and it wasn't a known compound. So it wasn't a chemical that any chemists or scientists knew it was, it just wasn't known to. Yeah. It's crazy. Them. Makes um, no sense. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. There was something with the compass, <clears throat> too. I forget what that was. Yeah, so but... I think the compass thing was um, uh, Barney. I think he went out to his trunk, and he had a compass in his hand, and the thing just was, was like, going sh- in circles. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't showing north, south, west, east. It was mm-hmm. just like... Um, so they died. Um, <laughs> um, so they died. They didn't <laughs> die because of the abduction. So Barney Hill died in 1969, and then um, Betty, the Spitfire, Betty passed away on October 23rd, 2004, age 85. Lived a good um, life. She had lung cancer. But Barney died, like, right after yeah. they got abducted. He died in the 60s, the same freaking decade that they got abducted, he died. I can't remember how he died, and I can't seem to find it, but I'm pretty sure... I think stress was a big cause of his death. Yeah. I remember reading that somewhere. But Anyways. they also had a little dog, Delcy. Oh, Delcy do. Little wiener dog. Yep. My sister Cassidy, she Delcy. wants a little wiener dog. I want a long-haired one. Ugh. I know they are kind of cute, but I'm, really into, cute. I'm into really into Archie. We know. All right. So I caught you kissing him the other day. Oh, yeah, he's my puppy. And I kissing him in the shower? It wasn't me. Um. So this is the Exeter UFO sightings. I'm ready. The Exeter Incident, or the Incident at Exeter, was a highly publicized UFO sighting that occurred on September 3rd, 1965, approximately five miles south of Exeter, New Hampshire, in the neighboring town of Kensington. Oh. Although there have been other sightings as well. Kensington. So the first one is the Muscarella sighting. I think that's how you know. On September 3rd, 1965, at approximately 2 a.m., 18-year-old Norman Muscarello was hitchhiking to his home in Exeter along New Hampshire Route 150. Muscarello had recently graduated from high school and was three weeks away from leaving for service in the United States Navy. He had been visiting his girlfriend at her parents' home in nearby Amesbury, Massachusetts. Oh, it's right by Ryan. (laughs) Since he did not own a car, he would hitchhike to and from his girlfriend's house a distance of about 10 miles. What? Ten fucking miles you're hitchhiking? Just ten miles. However, at that hour of the morning, there was little traffic on the highway, and Muscarella had walked a good part of the distance. After reaching Kensington, a few miles outside Exeter, Muscarella noticed five flashing bright red lights in a field, which he initially thought might be the lights of a police car or fire engine. 
The lights illuminated the surrounding woods and two nearby houses in brilliant red light and made absolutely no sound. Okay, that's the reoccurring thing is that nothing makes sound. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our thing didn't make any sound. No, it didn't make any sound. Also, when I went to the UFO festival, I did like a tour on it and they showed us where this field was. And it's a pretty big field and like just to look down at it to know where it was is kind of cool. Muscarello became terrified as the object, which he estimated to be 80 to 90 feet in diameter, began to move silently towards him. He dived into a ditch beside the road. The lights changed direction and hovered over the dining farmhouse. Muscarello ran to the house, pounded on the door, and yelled for help, but no one answered. Oh, my God. The object then moved away and disappeared into the woods. Seeing the headlights of an approaching car, Muscarello ran into the road and forced it to stop. The middle-aged couple in the car drove the frightened youth to the Exeter police station. That's so scary imagine that's like a bad dream you run to a house mm-hmm. and nobody's they there. weren't it did say they weren't home actually at oh that time either God. what time this, was this, this is when it gets good it's like 2 a.m oh fuck mm-hmm. at the police station muscarello pale and visibly shaken told his story to officer reginald toland who worked the night desk toland knew muscarello and was impressed by his obvious fear and genuinely agitated state hey that's nice yeah. That's nice to be to believe him. Okay, well, I got this off of Wikipedia. Same fucking so, decade. Could just be anybody who wrote it. Okay, I guess you're right about that. <laughs> could be the guy him could be the fucking guy himself. The cop. I was so impressed. I think he's dead now. Oh. Okay. But speaking just, from speaking from but the not grave. From this, but not from this. Okay, anyways. Toland radioed police officer Eugene Bertrand Jr. I'm gonna call him Eugene the whole time, who earlier in the evening had passed a distressed woman sitting in her car on New Hampshire one oh eight. When Eugene stopped to ask if she had a problem, the woman told him that a huge object with flashing red lights had followed her car from Epping, 12 miles away, and hovered over the car before flying away. I, I Can I make a guess who it is? Yeah. It's good old Sheila Bond. <laughs> it. She's coming stop up it. from Epping. That's, can I just wait, say? It gets better. It gets better. It really could be <laughs> Sheila. Eugene considered her a kook, but did stay with her for approximately 15 minutes until she had calmed down and was ready to resume her drive. Until she was ready to freaking beat him and burn him on a fucking mattress out in the yard with her dead rabbits. She's like, you want to see some fire? You want to see some red light? Come check out my oh, fire. Yeah. Come see my diesel cans. <laughs> Come over and pet my horses wanna... <laughs> and my rabbits. Oh, my God, the rabbits. Sheila. Okay. Oh, Sheila. Listen to the first episode if you haven't listened to the first episode. Yeah. After arriving at the police station and hearing Muscarella's story, Eugene decided to drive back to the dining farm with Muscarella to investigate the field where he had seen the lights. From Eugene's patrol car, they at first saw nothing unusual. However, when they left the car and walked towards the woods, where Muscarella had first seen the object, some horses in a nearby corral began kicking the fence and sides of a barn, making loud, frightened noises. Dogs in the area also began barking and howling. Eugene and Muscarello then saw an object slowly rise from the trees beyond the corral. Eugene described the UFO as this huge, dark object as big as the barn over there with red flashing lights on it. Remember, this is the police officer saying that. Eugene's a police officer, guys. He's not the, he's not the kid. He's the, he's the cop. The object moved slightly towards them, swaying back and forth. Instinctively remembering his police training, Eugene drew his revolver and pointed it at the object. He then decided that shooting it would not be wise, so he reupholstered the revolver, grabbed Muscarella, and both ran back to the patrol car. Shooting it would not be wise. That is it's the not right. Do anything. That is the right thing to say. Eugene radioed another Exeter policeman, David Hunt, for assistance. And while the two waited in the car for Hunt to arrive, they continued to observe the object. According to UFO historian Jerome Clark, Eugene and Muscarello observed the object as it hovered a hundred feet away and at 
a hundred feet altitude. So oh it was God. freaking high up. And it was huge. Mm-hmm. It rocked back and forth. The pulsating red lights flash in rapid sequence, first from right to left, then left to right, each cycle consuming no more than two seconds. The animals continued to act agitated. It's so creepy. The object was still there when Hunt arrived. So now the other cop's there. Yep. And he also watched it. The object finally rose over the trees and disappeared. Hunt soon heard the engines of a B-47 bomber. <gasps> sure, it wasn't a Boeing 47. I thought it was a Boeing 47. As it flew overhead, he later told journalist John G. Fuller that you could tell the difference between the UFO and the bomber. There was no comparison. Oh, my God. All three men drove back to the Exeter police station and immediately filed separate reports on what they had seen. Ugh. Eugene then drove Muscarella home and told his mother about the incident. So here are some other little sightings. The sightings by Muscarella and the two policemen received national publicity. John G. Fuller, a journalist, and I think he was the one the that... The same one that wrote the book Betty about Betty and Barney, honey. Yep. So John G. Fuller, who was in Betty and Barney Hills, yeah. then decided to travel to Exeter and investigate himself. Fuller interviewed a number of people in the Exeter area who also claimed to have witnessed strange lights and unusual <sighs> objects. Among them were Ron Smith, a senior at Exeter High, who told Fuller that about two or three weeks after Muscarella's sighting, he was traveling in a vehicle with his mother and aunt one evening at 11.30. According to Smith, he and his mother and aunt all saw an object with a red light on top and bottom was white and glowed. It appeared to be spinning. It passed over the car once, and when it passed over and got in front, it stopped in midair. What the fuck? Then it went back over the car again. So um, Fuller also spoke to police officer Toland at Exeter's police station. Toland told Fuller of a number of calls he had received from Exeter area residents regarding UFO sightings. A good example of the type of calls Toland had received came from Mrs. Ralph Lindsay. According to Toland, she called in here early just before dawn. She said it was right out her window as she was calling. It was like a big orange ball, almost as big as the harvest moon. And it wasn't the moon either. All the time she was talking to me, her kids are at the window watching it. Now, why would people go to all this trouble? People all over the area if they weren't seeing something real. I mean, seriously. I know. It's not just one person's account. It's tons of people. So the Air Force investigation and explanation. When Exeter's police chief read the reports of Eugene Hunt and Muscarella, he called nearby Pease Air Force Base and reported a UFO sighting. Another Pease. The Air Force sent Major David Griffin and Lieutenant Alan Brandt to interview the three men. The Air Force officers asked all three men not to report their sighting to the press, but a reporter from the Manchester Union Leader <laughs> newspaper had already interviewed them. Major Griffin sent a report of the incident to the staff of Project Blue Book. But what? Sorry, but what? But, 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 but Project Blue Balls. Yeah, thank you. The official Air Force research group assigned to investigate UFO reports. Griffin wrote that at this time, I have been unable to arrive at a probable cause of the sighting. The three observers seem to be stable, reliable persons, especially the two patrolmen. I viewed the area of the sighting and found nothing in the area that could be the probable cause. Pease Air Force Base had five B-47 aircraft flying in the area, but I do not believe that they had any connection with this sighting. Before Project Blue Book could send this evaluation to the Pentagon, however, the Air Force had already issued an explanation of Muscarella and the two policemen citing to the press. The Pentagon informed reporters that the three men had seen nothing more than stars and planets twinkling, owing to a temperature inversion. No. No. Because you don't see a fucking solid object in the sky that looks like it's spinning and call that... No, if it's, it, it better be a fucking tornado or a fucking microburst or whatever, micro bubble, whatever you fucking okay, call it. 
Are you kidding me? Project Blue Book Fuck then me. issued its own explanation saying that Operation Big Blast, a uh, some sort of training mission, had been active on the night of the sighting and that it could have accounted for the UFO. Obviously... Muscarella, Eugene, and Hunt all strongly disagreed with the Air Force explanation. The two policemen sent a letter to Project Blue Book in which they stated, as you can imagine, we have been the subject of considerable ridicule Mm -hmm. since the Pentagon released its final evaluation of our sighting of September 3rd, 1965. In other words, both Patrolman Hunt and myself saw this object at close range, checked it out with each other, confirmed and reconfirmed that it was not any type of conventional aircraft. I went to considerable trouble to confirm that the weather was clear, there was no wind, no chance of weather inversion, and that what we were seeing was in no way a military or civilian aircraft. Boom. And you know what? It's bullshit for them to freaking, once again, discount. It just makes me mad. Because you have so many accounts. I know, I know. Eugene also noted that... (laughs) She just punched the air. I'm punching the air. Eugene also noted that their UFO setting took place nearly an hour after Operation Big Blast was said to have ended, which eliminated the operation as a possible cause of the sighting. When Project Blue Balls did not... (laughs) I had to vote for you. (laughs) When Project Blue Book did not respond to their letter on December 29th, 1965, nearly four months after the sighting, the two men sent another letter to Blue Book in which they wrote the object they observed was absolutely silent with no rush of air from jets or chopper blades whatsoever, and it did not have any wing or tail it lit up the entire field and two nearby houses turned completely red and if this was 2000 whatever there would have been a freaking picture of it in addition to eugene and the policemen john g fuller also ridiculed the air force explanation in print he wrote that he had observed an unusual object near exeter himself and that it was being chased by an air force jet fighter Oh, come on. I know. They think people are so dumb. I know. Raymond Fowler, the New England investigator for the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Did I say that right? Yeah, bitch. Also filed a detailed report on the Exeter sightings. In his view, the Air Force explanation was also incorrect. I just think that they think they're so sneaky. Oh, you're so smart with your project blow balls. You're so smart. At one point, an Air Force officer claimed that the UFOs people had been observing were merely lights from the nearby Pease Air Force Base. To prove it, he had the lights activated before a large crowd who were gathered some distance away. According to Fowler, he ordered personnel at the base to turn the lights on. Everybody looked and waited, and nothing happened. <sighs> Frustrated, he yelled into the mic to turn on the lights. A voice replied that the lights were on. No. The very embarrassed officer slunk back into the seat of the staff car and drove off amongst <sighs> the laughs and jeers of the crowd. Muscarella died at 55 following a brief illness in April 2003. He insisted his entire life that what he had witnessed was real and not an ordinary object. Mm -hmm. Eugene died in 1998 and Hunt died in 2011. Wow. And then in 2002, the Exeter Kiwanis Club started the Exeter UFO Festival as a fundraiser to benefit children's charities in the Exeter area. Love it. And that's our UFO episode. Boom. Big blast, boom, blue balls. Yep. Okay. Big blast on the blue balls. Okay. Questionable questions. Okay, here it, it, here we are. It's that top. It's the top of the hour. It is uh, time for questionable questions. Kaylee, who yes. would? Okay, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm awesome. Who would you most like to have wipe your ass, and why? If you could pick anybody in this world to wipe your ass, who would it be, and why? Well, I don't really want anybody else wiping my ass. Oh, okay. 
like is it a luxury like they take a nice wet wipe and wipe my ass or is it like I'm old it's whatever you want it to be do you want it to be sexual it doesn't matter well, if it's sexual, this, this is a whole nother Poopy level. butthole. <laughs> okay, Poop. the wipe of my poopy butthole. I'd say my mom. I'd make Donna do okay, it. Okay, wow. We definitely have different views on this. Why? I was thinking who would I... I was thinking of a man, a celebrity, who would love to wipe my ass. Why would you want him to wipe your ass? I don't know, because I was thinking of John B. from Outer Banks. Oh, my God. Here we go. We're back to John B. And I was like, yeah, I'd love it. And then I'm like, now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, wait, he has to wipe my ass. He has to wipe my poopy butthole. Yeah, he's going to wipe my poopy butthole. So I think I would want... I think my mom I'd be the most comfortable with. The most comfortable would probably be... I know you don't do well with shit, so I don't need you throwing up behind me. Definitely not. Not after the day I had. Um... Either Ryan or my mom. Oh, my God. Ryan's going to hate you for that. No, he's not. Trust me. The kid's not going to hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, wipe my ass. Okay. You ready wipe for my, my shitty asshole. <laughs> this one kind of goes with this. What is the most disgusting thing you have seen one of your pets do? Oh, my God. I have one. Oh, God. And it happened last week. Okay. Oh, my God. <sighs> Okay, so you know Oakley, my kitty. Yes, yes. She's just a fucking fat ass little orange little bitch. I love her so much. She's such a a lovely little kitty. She's had this thing on the back of her back for like a couple years. And my mom and I thought it was just scar tissue from like a tick bite. So we've just kind of like dealt with it. It's like a little bump. It's like tiny. So lately I've just been like, mom, I feel like I just don't know what this is, but I just feel like it's either like a wart or it's something. I just don't know what it is. So, and like, I, you know, I can't do bodily functions. So this is a lot for me. So I kind of like looked more at it and I was like, mom, the thing, it's like, it's like dark. So I go and I like squeezed it. And it literally, Dr. Pimple Popper. I hate that when you said that I literally popped what I think is a pimple. Or a little uh, tiny, like, infection sis. from a tick at some point. It's tiny. But it's enough to, like, oh, my God. My mom and I are <clears throat> the whole oh gagging. And it just keeps coming out and out and out and out. No idea, but she's had it for years. So that is the grossest thing I've ever seen from my pet. Like, I honestly love her less because it grosses me out. Mm-hmm. But now I know she gets pimples. Like, it's kind of gross. It doesn't make me want to hang out with her as much anymore. <laughs> And also, I'm so allergic to her, so I sent you the Snapchat the other oh, day yeah, of my yeah. eye literally closing up. I know. I love it when your eye closes my up. My eye, one eye, eye will, will close up because I'm allergic to cats and dogs. Just one, not two, one. Bad. Okay, you ready for mine? Yeah, sorry. So <sighs> mine kind of goes in hand in hand. It's, okay. I have two pets. I no. have Archie, we all know. And I have Franco, James Franco, which is a whole other story Mike's, of my Mike's slutty spy. cat. Mike Spy. Mike, Mike Spy. Mike Spy. Um, but yeah, James Franco's really a female. She got knocked up twice, had two litters of kittens. We thought she was male. Okay. We thought she was male. And then all of a sudden she's technically she's pregnant. That's, non-binary. That's, a, that's another story. We'll have to do it at crazy animal stories. That's another story of another day. Anyways. Um, but Franco likes, there's two things Franco does that directly affects Archie. So it makes them both equally as fucking gross. Oh, I know what it is. Franco likes to shit outside. Yeah. Like a good cat. Less shit. I got to clean up. Outdoor cats. Yeah. Love it. I best. mean, she still has a kitty litter inside. She shits inside the winter, which is one thing. Yep. That's still all I'm going to talk about. It's okay. Three th- there's three things that directly, f- <laughs> that just both, um, I can't. Love it. So Franco likes to shit outside. 
she has her areas outside, mm-hmm. but it's really embarrassing when you're outside having a fire with your friends and your cat's taking a shit out back. No. Okay? It's weird. It's weird. It's Not a weird. It's a weird thing for me to watch my cat shit. Okay. I like it. Okay, that's an interesting. Take but on it's it. okay. Like I'm mean, like, look at Franco. She's so shitting. Archie <laughs> likes to dig up that shit and eat it. Yeah. He just like he likes to do when she shits in the litter box. He likes to go no, in the litter box. Oh, he'll get his, doing that? Oh, yeah, just the back two back feet out. The two I'm back feet out. I'm never letting hear. you lick my piggy toes it's again. It's thing now that it's getting colder out. She's shitting inside again. Yeah. That's Anyways, an issue for me. Another thing she does is she likes to eat animals. She does. And there has been numerous times where I have had to reach my hand down the gullet of Archie. Yep. And it is the most disgusting thing when I have to grab. Why don't you do hydrogen peroxide? What? Hydrogen peroxide. For what? You just put it in his mouth and make him drink it and it'll throw everything up. And nothing's ever happened. The vet says it's fine. As long as the animal's like pretty much dead. Oh yeah, he's fine. He's a fucking hunter. Yeah, well, he eats him. He, he was, he was a... bred to hunt fucking whistle yeah, pigs and yeah. whatnot. French bulldogs are not actually French. <laughs> no, they're actually North Korean, which no, is like so weird. <laughs> what are they from? I think it's like England. They were bred to like eat rats. So Archie likes to eat rats. They go right through his stomach. I haven't had an issue with it yet. But oh. there has been times where I have gotten them out with my fingies. <sighs> and it literally, it it makes me gag. That's gross. It's the one thing that really makes me gag because I have this dead animal carcass and I'm inside my sweet fucking nasty French dog. North Korean bulldog. This is when it, this is when Archie becomes Farchy is when he's eating cat shit. He's eating dead animals and it's coming out his asshole. He's disgusting. And his fart smells so fucking It is the worst smell. Rank. I know it's a Frenchy thing, but it's literally the worst thing ever. But literally, honestly, he's the cutest thing ever. I just think you should just let him I eat the animals. Him I'm, uh, no. What would you be your ideal animal for him to eat? Absolutely nothing. My ideal animal. Up on the stove. Mike the headless chicken. Oh, my God. Stop get him, Archie. Get him. <laughs> Stop. All right. Anyways, guys, send your stories to so what who cares pot at gmail.com. We want your Christmas stories, your Hanukkah stories, Kwanzaa, your Kwanzaa, New anything, New Year's stories. We want all Festivus. your crazy stories that festivities going down to Rockefeller Center and you knocked over the tree. No, I'm just kidding. How ugly is the fucking tree this year? No it offense. Was someone's it's- dream. Yeah, but it's definitely not my fucking dream of 2020. I'll tell you that it's much. It looks like tree. it got fucking, uh, fucking rode hot and put it away wet. It looks like it got coronavirus. It, is that a little decent? No. It looks like it's got the COVID. Yeah, it, it looks does. looks like it's not doing so well. I just want to say, hey, it's okay, buddy. You're just kind of ugly this year. Is this <laughs> Maybe right? next year will work out for you, too. Also, we have an Instagram, so you can DM us as well, at so what, who cares pod. Send yeah. us whatever. I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. So send what? us what you want. Oh. Hey, hey, send us what you want. Yeah. You don't even want to know what she just did. Just grab the big old double D's. <laughs> oh my God, stop. <laughs> so Anyways. what? Oh, sorry. Say it again. No. So what? Who cares? We, we don't. Crack that baby open, would you? I will, I will. I take a picture. Mm, I'd like to take a little bite of that. Stop it. Do I look like I have a bowl cut? <laughs> Do I look like I have No. You look very serious. I love it. Kumquat. What am I going to write? Do you think that Martian's kumquat flavored soda would be good? <laughs> flavored soda, soda is going to be good. Kumquat is going to be good. good. Is it going to taste good or bad?
<laughs> is gonna taste good. What should we put for just yes or no? Or tastes like what? What's something that tastes gross? Piss. Or do you taste, think it will taste oh, like well, piss? Tastes like. Wait, should we say tastes like like piss? Old. Wait, should we say like warm cum since it's cumquat? <laughs> Salty cum. K U M. What what should taste like? Cum. Cum. With cum. a K. With a K. K U M. Or you think it will taste like actual cumquats or actual cum? <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. I love it already. Oh, wait. Yeah. I can put it right on the mic. Yeah. That was it. That was the thing. It was the thing. It was really a beautiful thing. That thing that I just did, that's what I always do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> that was it. We're having fun. I'm loving this. All right, let's crack it open. Loving this journey for us. Hey, hey. I actually have a bottle opener in my crotch. Oh, oh, that, then you get some cup water. Right there. You got some cup water. We're not in fucking college at Paul Smith University. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Paul Smith College. This tale gives the phrase "running around like a chicken with its head." <laughs> this tale gives the phrase "running around like a chicken with its head cut off" a new. Like a little chicken with its cut off. This. You said so bad. I'm like a chicken with his head cut off. And I'm running like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> I can't. That sounded like the fidget spinner. What did he say earlier? Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> it really made no sense. Sorry, guys. Moment. 